You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I am your host, Matt Wilson, and today I'm here with a beautiful, long-haired friend of mine named David Spinks. David, I don't know how I'm going to introduce you because we're too worried about our glorious long locks of almost blonde hair. How are We're both you today? Bunning it up right now. Priorities. Before we lose people, I want to let everybody know that you are the co-founder, I believe, of CMX, the hub for community. Can you explain what CMX actually is before we lose people? Sure. So uh, we are essentially like an association for community managers. We provide events, membership, and training that teaches teams and companies how to launch and scale communities, how to build communities into their organizations, how to measure them, how to grow their teams. Uh, Basically, more and more companies are launching community programs now, online communities and offline communities. And there's very little structure or standards around how to do this work. And so we started CMX to bring all the people who are doing this work together to create those standards and to provide that education back out to the industry. So we have over 20,000 community professionals in our network now. Uh, we host conferences and events. Um, we've been around for about four years. Awesome. Uh, that's it. Awesome. So you were also the founder. I'm not sure if you had a co-founder of Feast, an online cooking school. Uh, You were part of 500 Startups, or that your organization was part of 500 Startups. You've also uh, been a part of a number of different startups in New York and Silicon Valley. Zarly, where we work together, (laughs) LeWeb, Udemy, or Udemy, I never know how to say it, SeatGeek, and BinPress. You got to Pretty cool list of companies that you've worked with, a lot of cool experiences. Yeah, um, so I, I did have a co-founder with Feast, uh, Nadia Ekbal, one of my very good friends who's now at GitHub. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a ride. You and I have known each other a long time. Yeah. Uh, since like the old, uh, uh, what was that? What was that community called? Uh, with Ryan Paw. Oh, Brazen Careerist. Brazen Careerist before YEC. Before, before YEC. Before the Young Entrepreneurs Brazen Careerist. So, yeah, we've known each other a long time. It's been it's been quite a journey. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> we're just talking about like <laughs> it's all about the grind, and I feel like I've been grinding for like a decade. Um, but it's it's been. It's been a lot of learnings and been a, being able to build a few different companies and, and run community for a bunch of different companies. I feel like um, I, I've been able to get some unique perspectives on both how to like run a company and the, and the things you need to think about as a CEO. And then for those who are building community, uh, what that means like on the practitioner level as well as on a strategic level. Well, you may have been grinding for a decade, but you look great. I want to let you know that. <laughs> Yeah, you see the grays coming in there and there. Oh no! Man. Look at that! Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Look at that! You, so you I have long hair to cover up the sideburns. I I see what you did there. That's uh that that's nice. Uh, I wanted to ask you about actually about your company values because right away one of them was about not sacrificing your health. 
yeah, do you want to talk about that and the importance of that? Is because that's that's really cool that you were, uh, you have that in your community, in your company values. That is a leader in communities. So hopefully, these other communities that are part of your industry association, for lack of a better term, are following suit. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of the fun part about everything we do with CMX is whatever we do for our community and our company uh, immediately becomes an example for all the thousands of community professionals and CEOs and leaders in our network to follow. So we take our values and our culture really seriously because, um, you know, we're not we're not building CMX just to like help more you know, create more profit in the world. Like, yes, we want to help organizations succeed, but ultimately we're trying to bring more meaningful community to the world. Some, some more actual connection and depth during a time that we we're seeing more loneliness than ever before in human history. And so, um, the kinds of community that communities that we build and the way we teach others to build community are really important to us. Um, and so, yeah, in our company values, we have defend your health, is is our is one of our values that has been really important and we put into practice all the time, um, and it kind of flies in the face of a lot of startup culture today, which is all about hustling more and uh, just like basically working long hours, um, doing whatever it takes just to like succeed and grow at all costs. The VC model of like everyone's trying to become a unicorn. And we're seeing uh, founders and startup employees that have, um, you know, issues with depression and mental health. Um, you know, I've seen friends just like break themselves, their bodies and their minds, and they burn out just by pushing themselves harder and harder. And having been part of those cultures before, uh, it's just something I, I, it's not the kind of business I want to build. And I don't think it's a smart way to build a business in the long run. Anyway, when people are not taking care of themselves, they're not able to take care of others, they're not able to do good work, they're going to get burned out, you're going to have more turnover. And so defending your health is extremely important to us. And, you know, if somebody is working on the weekend, my first response when they send me an email or something is, why are you working on the weekend? <laughs> uh, do you need to be doing this? Can this wait till Monday? Um, is this a one-off thing because you just have a lot on your plate right now that you need to get through and this will make you feel better? Or is this a habit? Um, and same thing if you're working longer hours, um, you know, if people need time off, we tell them to take the day off. If I see someone being stressed and overwhelmed at work, I tell them to get offline and take a walk and, you know, come back if and when they feel, you know, ready and in a good place today. If not, just take the day off. Like, it's it's incredibly important you take care of yourself um, because that's the only way you'll be able to do good work and help others. No, that that's extremely important. And you don't want to be in a an environment you don't want to build an environment where it's a bunch of stressed out people because then that's contagious that becomes a stressed out culture that becomes uh you know when you're sitting literally when you're sitting next to someone that's stressed uh 
you can feel their stress. They're rubbing off on you. You can feel their their energy, their juju, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's not fun when you're sitting next to someone. You're like, ah, I wish they would just sit on the other side of the room today because <laughs> I don't want to be all up in that, you know. And and that's important that well yourself as the CEO, you can say, Hey, look, <laughs> you get out of here for a little bit. Um, but creating that culture where people recognize that in themselves and they're like, hey, before David has to have a talk with me, let me just go take a walk and breathe into a paper bag. And, uh, you know, I might feel I might be a little bit more fun to be around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and then there are the people who will continue, you know, hustling their ass off and be stressed as all hell, but, you know, be grinning through their teeth and you may not even know, right, that sure. they're struggling and they're hurting and it's it's not good for them. Um, sure, but, and, you, know, and you, we have you, a culture, right, in Silicon Valley or New York or whatever to not show any pain. Yeah, no, vulnerability is not welcome here. <laughs> for sure, for sure. That's why there's this, like, trend of, like, um, uh, what's the uh, coaching company they do these like uh camps where founders just go and have intimate discussions and they'll cry and they'll hug and it's it's like this idea of creating space for vulnerability in a in a very kind of cutthroat you know a lot of masculinity even even for women the expectation that you'll be tough and not not let your emotions show it doesn't create a very safe space for people to express themselves and to be aware of their own health. No, that's that's super important. Reboot. Reboot is the the uh, coaching company. They do a podcast called the Reboot Podcast, which is amazing, and they do those camps for founders, like really, really awesome stuff. Wow, that that sounds legit. We'll have to link that up in the show notes for anybody who's who's interested. You got me talking about this stuff, or you, you got me thinking about this and i want to go back now to i was not planning on talking about this on the podcast but <laughs> i think we should go back to personally dark days for me at a company called zarly where we <laughs> knew each other i'd actually like to talk about that a little bit um and i say it was dark because i was grinding like just i can remember taking like terrible sleep hours uh in the office past midnight and and nothing against anybody there at that organization but um okay so so for people who don't know about zarly um this was a person-to-person -person sharing platform and uh mr spinks and i were both involved basically it was a startup weekend company just to give you guys the the uh idea of the caliber of what was being worked on or this you know this pumped up importance in in my opinion right it, so it was a startup weekend company it was ashton kutcher was one of the judges at startup weekend and instantly funded it right uh it then went on through angel funding um man some of some of the Angel funding was like Groupon, you know, the Groupon guys, huge names in Silicon Valley. And I get the angel round and the the first round mixed up, but it was like, um, help me out here with some of the in investors. Like Sands Capital, Kleiner Perkins, uh, you know, some of the biggest VCs. Yeah, um, it's like insane 
Yeah. In, in insane names in, in venture capital. Uh, $12 million ended up being raised. Meg Whitman was the chairman of the board. Like Meg Whitman invested. Yeah, crazy. Uh, Michael Arrington from TechCrunch. Like, big, big, uh, pump it up startup type stuff that we're talking about and yeah you jump on the board uh, or jump on jump on board no not on the board of directors jump on uh on the rocket ship right and you just want to be a part of this and you will do anything to help this company succeed and you will do anything to uh get your piece of the pie of course right and if you're not, you know, and, and these things, it happens so fast. Everybody's like so jacked up on coffee and adrenaline and also alcohol. It's not a sustainable thing. And I don't know how Zarly is doing now, but it didn't, I don't know if it's ended, um, but it didn't go all so well. But for me personally, so I ended up getting canned from Zarly. Uh, the company was not doing well, and I'm sure I'm sure it was partly a reflection on my work, and partly not, uh, just because they needed to make major changes within the company. But it was dark, like as far as the amount of work that I was doing, the way that I was eating, the way that I was not. Uh, taking care of the things that I needed to do, the amount that we would party on the weekdays and weekends. It was all about the the kind of Silicon Valley startup party life or, or whatever. I don't watch that show, but I'm sure that's what that show shows <laughs> for, for a great part. And you know, it, it would be interesting for my podcast listeners to hear that because they've heard 75 episodes of about Matt taking care of himself and weird <laughs> techniques and habits and whatever. But I wanted to to point that out, especially if people uh, are in that working in, in that type of environment. So I want to ask you, Mr. Spinks, what would you tell someone in that position uh, where I was? Um. Yeah, I mean, and I can relate to all that. I, I ended up getting fired as well. I don't know if you knew that. No, uh, I didn't know that. I, I wrote an article called How I Got Fired from a Hot Startup. Nice. So if people wanted to read you. all about you. that. Um, you know, I try to be very transparent about that because not only are you burning yourself out and then you crash and burn, but then you deal with the shame of getting fired and you try to, like, hide it and cover it up and it becomes this, like, bad part of your narrative. And sure. I think it's a good part of the narrative because it's part of your narrative. If you embrace it and you learn from it and you grow, then it's good. Um, so I found myself in a similar situation. Uh, when I joined Zarly, I was running a different company before that, but that was like right after college. And I really didn't know what I was doing or I, I didn't have the experience to be able to handle tough situations well. And so I got, I kind of got thrown into a role of extreme responsibility. I was running our New York office. I was running the community and product marketing team at a team of about nine people. Um, I was the most senior level person at the New York office. None of the other, none of the founders were there. And so I basically had to like figure out how to run, run shit. Um, and it was hard, you know, it's, it was a hard space to be in. The culture, when, a, when an organization grows that quickly, it's really hard to craft a healthy culture. Um, it just becomes about 
the speed. The speed becomes the culture. It's all about moving fast and hustling and not stopping and pausing and thinking and reflecting. There was no right. time for that. Um, and there was no culture or intention that would encourage employees, especially a lot of young employees like myself, like other members of that team who didn't have the experience and awareness to say, hold up, I'm buried, I'm drowning, this is only going to get worse unless I can create the space to pause and reflect and like come back prepared. Um, and I actually remember like when I got fired, one of the pieces of feedback I got was that it was my taking a vacation, which I booked before I joined the company. It was my being gone from that vacation during an important time in the company's growth that caused issues. Um, wow. Wow. Uh, because everyone, which you can understand as well, right? Like, if it was a critical time in a company and everyone was like hustling really hard, fighting for life, and I wasn't there, and I was meant to be a leader. Um, and sometimes you make those sacrifices. I just canceled like a trip to, uh, I was going to go to Burning Man, and I canceled that trip because our company now is, is you know, hustling and, I, I, and fighting. And I couldn't imagine my team doing that with me, you know, rolling around in the desert. Yeah. So there are times where you need to make sacrifices, especially when you're in a leadership position. But that is an exception. And as a leader, it's your responsibility to take care of yourself and set that example for your employees. So they know if they're drowning, that it's acceptable and encouraged for them to create that space for themselves. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you find yourself in that position today, um, being transparent, being honest with yourself, being honest with your team and working together to figure out what you need to get into a good place, whether that means taking a break or taking a weekend or leaving the company and, and doing something else. Um, the most important thing is that you're taking care of yourself. And if you, if you're in that downward spiral, stop, reflect, give yourself some space and then, and then dive in when you feel, um, you have the right headspace to make that decision. Well said. And if you're not, you may not be in the right place. If these are the expectations that people are, are making of having of you that you can't take a vacation or you, that you, you know, that you, uh, can't spend time with family or, you know, whatever. I mean, you got to make decisions in, in life. And I don't know, we were both maybe 25 years old, uh, not even at, at that point. So you get roped into those things very easily, especially at a young age. But yeah, you got to see the bigger picture. And uh, well, I think that was I think that was difficult for everyone to see that bigger picture in the, not only in that organization, but uh, at that age and and just in general in in Silicon Valley. Well, it's what you you only know your your past and your present, right? You don't know your future and. Um, we tend to overemphasize our current opportunities and de-emphasize their, their role in a larger narrative of your life. And so at the time, it felt like that was it. That yeah. was my opportunity. If this, if I, if this fails, like, 
this is it. My life crumbles, right? Mm-hmm. You go to your worst case scenario in your mind. Um, and like, you know, you don't know. You don't know what's going to make you successful or not. Like me getting fired from there ended up becoming an important part of my narrative and who I am today and what I ended up starting. Um, would I have chosen to be fired at that time? No. But, um, but just remember that like you, you know, especially if you're young, you have like a long way ahead of you. And this is all part of a much larger narrative, um, that will, uh, you know, take shape over time. And you're only going to understand its full meaning in hindsight. Now, I, I completely agree. And it's very important to have an outlet. And I know work-life balance, uh, some people say it doesn't exist. or, But I, I'm really a firm believer in that. Now, sometimes those things are, are meshed completely. They're, they're molded and, and melded together where your uh, colleagues are your friends or you live, uh, for example, in the, in the case of under 30 experiences and a lot of our team, they live together, they travel together, they eat together, um, they're abroad together, and mm-hmm. that's just life, but they have an outlet, uh, which is the fun part about being trip leaders, right? Because they they have this amazing job. And if you're just literally cranking in an office for 12 to 15 hours a day, you need another outlet. For me, when I was doing that, it was going out and partying because I didn't have anything else (laughs) to, you know, I didn't have any other outlet. I was like, well, shit, it's uh, 10 p.m. another day after work. What am I, what am I going to do now? I need someone to talk to about something other than whatever crap we've been talking about the office. I'm going to go to the bar. I'm going to find some friends who are down to do something fun. Let's do some crazy shit. Like that was the mentality that I was in, but (laughs) that was not sustainable. And all that was able to, to help me co-found a company now with under 30 experiences that we have a very strong theme of personal development within our company. (laughs) And we want that to us all to be always improving ourselves so that we can improve our products that so that we can improve um, ourselves as an organization but the people who come on our trips benefit so much uh, you know if you're if you're burnt out from traveling and you're just hanging on by a thread it's hard to do this every day blah 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 uh, you're not going to be a good trip leader and give these people the time of their lives if you're if you're sick of it so as soon as we start seeing burnout we really do try to uh, to catch that quickly and but teach people the practices that they can do while uh, while they're working for a company, I mean, it just, and these are some of the things that I'm most proud of, uh, with under 30 experiences as a founder, like somebody just, we have a personal development channel on Slack and, uh, we do like a Friday recap email chain where everybody just throws in what they've been working at and what they got out of the week. We had somebody, uh, complete their 600th day of meditation, uh, on there, on the personal development channel, we had somebody who, uh, yeah, somebody who joined the gym. Um, we had somebody who decided with two people 
quit smoking this month. Um, just all that kind of stuff is, is what you start to realize once you start taking control. And as you said, not respect your health, but uh, defend your health. Is that right? That was the value? Yeah. Defend your health. That's awesome, man. That's that's awesome. Well, I'm glad you're paying that forward. Um, I didn't expect to get into that so hard, but uh, if we want to take a turn towards community, right? And and just for anybody out there who's listening, actually, could you define community a little bit more uh, for people who are listening? What we're actually talking about? What is a community, especially in the 21st century? I think community is what it, it's always been, which is a shared sense of belonging and identity. It's a group of people with a shared sense of belonging and identity. Um, I think the context and application is changing. So we form communities in digital spaces, um, especially in the last decade. Uh, there's a decline in uh, people going to religion for community and more traditional forms of, of community are in the decline uh, whereas people are finding community through things like um, CrossFit, um, online platforms like Facebook and Reddit, and, um, where we're forming groups around brands. Brands are a big form of identity and community today. Um, and so uh, the context is changing, uh, but it's the same core dynamics that you know we're wired to seek community and connection. That's great to hear. When I interviewed the guys from uh, Blue Zones, which is this was this National Geographic study where they went and found all these pockets of the world where people lived over a hundred years of age, a huge part of it was being involved in, in communities. And of course, the, they're interviewing uh, centurions here, so they weren't talking about online communities. Yeah. They were talking about their their faith groups and and this type of thing. But that's that's great news for longevity. Yeah, well, and, and on the flip side of that, there's actually a lot of studies now. Uh, there was just a study by the APA released that um, that social connections should be a health priority in the U.S. Just like. Um, obesity and uh, you know even things like cigarette smoking um, that social connection should be a priority and that there's there's a lot of data that shows basically uh, loneliness decreases your lifespan significantly more than obesity more than, than cigarettes um, Loneliness and there's increasing loneliness. We're we're more lonely than we've ever been before as a human race. Um, uh, we are more depressed. Um, there was an article recently called uh, "How I think it was called uh, How Smartphones Destroyed a Generation," and it's this up and coming generation now. And there's a really powerful graph where it's like um, levels of depression uh, and loneliness. And the date that the iPhone first came out in like 2007 or whatever it was, oh my it just fights from there. Because we are now finding connection through our phone. And we say, yeah, we're connected to all of our friends on Facebook and Instagram. But when you're on those platforms, what you're actually seeing is people you know, promoting the best versions of themselves, which makes you feel less happy with yourself. It makes you feel like you're missing out. It makes you feel more lonely and so while we are more connected than ever before the entire human race is now connected by 
uh, by three degrees of separation, according to Facebook. Um, over a quarter of the human population is connected through just Facebook. We are more connected than ever before as a human race, and yet we are more lonely and depressed than ever before. And so Damn. it's like the massive challenge that we're trying to fight today. Damn. Okay, so if you're out there trying to fight the good fight, how do you get involved in communities that get you out of bed every morning? Um, you mean like how, how yeah, personally, others if, Yeah, that? if a listener is saying, damn, I want to live longer. Yeah, I struggle because <laughs> I don't want to sit, come home after work, sit on the couch and scroll through Instagram through a bunch of chicks who actually just use the app to make themselves skinnier, <laughs> uh, how can how can I get involved in in something meaningful? We can all we can all find it easily. You asked before if sixteen people is uh, is a community. I think before the call you asked me that. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. You know, cool. you don't need more than three people for it to be a community because it's a group of people with a shared sense of identity and belonging. Um, and humans have different versions of community. Um, actually, in a uh, Sapiens, a really good book. If, if uh, your reader, if your it listeners have read that, high on my list. It's incredible. And so they've. Um, he talks about the ancient frames of community. And so you have your immediate family, uh, you have your extended family, you have your local intimate uh, community. And that, that, those are the frames of community that existed basically through the agricultural revolution. Then in the industrial revolution, we added kind of like the city state, right? And now we also have this like digital, um, digital frame of community. And each one of these frames, you, as you can visualize, they're like larger and larger circles. And now that largest one, that digital community has replaced that local intimate family a local intimate community, even like immediate family and extended family. We just need our family. We need that local community for less in order to survive because the government and the state will provide health care and protection and education and all the things that you used to need from a family. Um, but you can go back to that any time, right? Spend more time with friends and family. Spend more times in your local community. Go volunteer at a school. Go create a local group for basketball or knitting or whatever it is. Like the best way to be a part of a community is to start one, right? Sure. <laughs> create it and, and be the one that's curating it. And you are, you are the heart and the leader of that community that that's going to give you a deeper sense of connection because now you're not just there to get out of it. You're there to give, you're there to connect to other people. And that's largely, you know, that's the whole premise behind why I do the work I do. Um, I grew up struggling heartily to find any sense of belonging. Like I could not fit in. I'll go home crying. I would like ride my bike aimlessly around my hometown trying to find people that happened to be hanging out really? and hoping that I could stumble into that group and that shaped so much of who I am and that pain made me so obsessed with how people connect and why they fit in and why they connect with each other and how communities are formed that um, that's made me just care so much about it. It's made me um, really care about building community. It's made me good at it because I, I had to figure that, that stuff out for myself. Um, and I think we all have that. Every human has some aspect of themselves that they feel isolated by or alone by, that they're not able to be vulnerable about, vulnerable about or not able to share that identity with someone. And so if you see that opportunity, you have that opportunity to create that community. 
Sure, sure. Especially as entrepreneurs, especially as freelancers, if you don't have that work community, uh, it's difficult. I can remember working on Under 30 CEO and walking through New York during just you know regular hours, going to my coffee shop, going to sit alone, going to do my thing by myself. Uh, and it, it was just lonely, especially in those big cities. It's, it's difficult to connect with people for sure. Yeah, sure. it's amazing. And being in New York, it's like everyone's there, but everyone's like on their own path, right? Their, their eyes are straight. They're not really looking for connection so much there. And so you can spend your time there surrounded by humans with still a deep lack of uh, actual connection. And that, that's an important point. It's the quality of connection that matters, not the quantity. Um, it's, it's, you can be connected to people. You can be on Facebook and have thousands of friends, but if you don't have the depth and meaning behind those connections, you're still going to feel really alone. Okay, so people want to go out. They want to go and find a, a community. And as you said, this could be CrossFit. This could be yoga. This could be uh, the freelancers meet up in your, in your local town. Um, do you have some more actionable, actionable things that people can do to really, to really get involved and, and feel more like they are involved? Um, you know, like anything from, okay, Go to a, okay, I'm not going to use a bar example, but sometimes I do find, uh, I do really enjoy going to a bar where I know the bartender and I'll start to get to know the, the people who hang out there and then you're part of a little community. It really is a nice thing. Now, let's take a non-alcoholic version of that and coffee <laughs> shops. Um, that's, a, that's a really easy, that, these are actionable things that people can do just to get out of their their apartments. Do you have anything else actionable that they might be able to take advantage of? Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, even those things like, you know, if you, if you have nobody else in your area and you're just looking for like any connection, sure. You can go and like start strike up random conversations and maybe that ultimately leads to uh, a friendship. Um, I think, uh, like I said, a couple things you can do. One is look at your current relationships and see if there's room to invest more into those relationships. Because you might have good relationships, but you haven't been, you haven't given thought yet to what can you do to uh, purposely enhance that relationship. You know, can you buy a friend a gift? Can you invite them to something? Can you just give them a call? Um, do something that's thoughtful. Um, so what, what can you do in your current relationships, whether that's friends or, or intimate relationships or family to, to deepen those relationships? Um, two is just look for opportunities to give, to help others. Um, cause at the end, that's what the foundation of community is. It's a, it's people who are helping each other, who are there to support each other. And if you are part of my community, then you should feel safe and protected because I am here for you. I'm here to support you. Um, and so look for those opportunities to help others rather than go to a community like CrossFit or something and just think like, how do I get a community out of this? Show up to that space with the intention of rising others up and, and helping them. And that's where you'll really start to feel a deeper sense of, of meaning and, and connection in those in those relationships. That, that's awesome. So so look for that 
opportunity to be able to give and feel safe and connected. Uh, those are two huge things. What else? How will people know when they're in the right uh, community or they're in the right place other than just intuition when you just know you're in the right place? What else? For example, CrossFit. If these if the CrossFit coaches are there making sure that you're safe, right? And not just trying to throw up a bunch of weight all of the time or not just try to get you in the gym and take your 150 bucks and say, all right, have at it, join a, join a class. It's easy to be involved in the wrong fitness community, but do you have some tips for how people know they're in the right place? These are good questions. Um, yeah, I think what, it, what communities come down to is, is safety. Um, and, uh, you know, looking at how we've evolved, a lot of that is physical safety, literally, like if your village is being attacked or there's a bear, you know, in larger groups, you feel more safe. Um, but there's an emotional safety that's incredibly important, especially today, uh, in a, in a day where people don't have a space to be vulnerable or be themselves. And so I think you'll know you're in the right community when you feel safe expressing a piece of your identity without fear of being attacked. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, that's good. That's good. I see why you do this for a living, Mr. Spinks. <laughs> that's, that's great. Okay. So if you are trying to organize a community, so that was for people seeking a community, but if you're looking to organize a community, um, how do you know if you're doing it the right way? So you want to get friends together or, or make new friends for whatever reason, and you're just trying to bring people together to connect. And sometimes it can be just awkward. It can just be like, oh, yeah. I'm the person seeking community, and that means maybe uh, <laughs> I'm not the most personable fellow. How can I get other people to like me? How can I start something? That's very intimidating for, for people. Do you have any advice for those people? Um, I think start small. Um, every community stands with the foundation of of a small group of people who trust each other, who have that shared identity, it builds that foundation of culture and then it grows from there. So don't think that two people is not enough or you need a hundred people for this to be a community. Start with the core people that are already bought into this idea who you already know share that identity or feel isolated because they haven't been able to express that identity. Um, and, and just, yeah, start small. Um, Try things like, uh, it's called like setting the container is a term I borrowed from uh, the Hive community, which is a community of entrepreneurs. Um, and so before, before creating any social space, um, think about what is the ideal interaction you want to occur in that space? Uh, what is the culture that you want to exist and the expectations that you want to exist in that space? And make that clear up front. So um, uh, here's an example. There's a, a group called the Inside Circle Foundation. They work with uh, prisoners in maximum security prisons. Okay. Um, so these are guys who are, you know, they're in there for life or for a very long time. They've, many of them have committed, you know, terrible crimes. Um, 
come from cultures that are, you know, obviously not very receptive to vulnerability and openness. And they create these circles for them. Um, and when they enter the room, they literally take off their armor, like, like they pretend to their imaginary armor that they've been wearing out there in the world and their mask that they've been wearing out there in the world. They take it off and they set it aside. And then they sit down in the circle with the others. Wow. And then when they sit down, they set the container farther, right? This is all about setting the tone and the culture. And they say, hey, anything that's shared here is not shared outside of here. Okay, now everyone knows that's a rule. Anything that's said here, you do not judge that person for sharing that. Only acceptance, right? You don't have to respond to them, but um, just acknowledge it. Just, you know, you can nod, you can look with your eyes, but you don't have to respond. So you're, you're kind of telling people how to participate and setting the tone and setting the ground rules. And that's what creates that safety um, and that, that awareness of we're all here for the same reasons. And that, that's, that's a, one of my favorite examples. And the results that they see from that community is unbelievable. These guys go through like transformations. A lot of them end up getting out earlier. They go on to volunteer and help others, um, all because they were just given a space to be truly vulnerable and share, share things they couldn't share anywhere else. Um, but you can do that in any social situation. If you're sitting down for a dinner, take a minute to say like, hey, thanks everyone for coming here. Um, please no business cards at this, at this dinner table. Um, halfway through, we're going to ask everyone to stand up and switch seats. So you get to talk to someone else. Um, and, uh, the purpose of this is to, um, you know, get to know each other on a personal level. So no pitching your business or something, right? You, sure. you can, you can set the ground rules and now everyone's on the same page and everyone was feeling that social awkwardness at the beginning that you were because it's a new space. It's new people. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. It's, it's not a safe space. And by creating some of those guidelines and helping everyone realize why they're all there and what the purpose is and how to act while they're there, you create clarity and safety for those people to be able to participate. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I wanted to ask you about something that you guys had on your about page uh, mm. about what our generation believes when they make a transaction with the comp with the company basically uh, that they don't want it to be transactional they want it to uh, be something mission driven uh, do you think you could expand upon those types of beliefs yeah i think um businesses and a lot of them are still running the same way that like they were built uh, in the industrial revolution, which is like we are a factory churning out products and we're going to send it out to consumers and they're either going to buy it or not buy it. And then we'll adapt our product over time to optimize for more people buying it. Um, and, you know, that all existed before people could talk to and interact with uh, companies. And that's before the concept of a brand has become as developed as, as, as it is today. Um, people are just more aware. They're more connected. Uh, conversations are happening much more openly and frequently. And, and the expectation, uh, there's, there's a bunch of studies that, uh, especially from millennials and, and younger generations, that they expect companies that they work for and that they consume from to have, uh, have a clear mission and a vision that aligns with theirs and, and a clear purpose. They want to know why your company exists, what, 
what kind of impact you're having on the world and they'll spend more and and become more loyal uh, with organizations that are purpose driven okay yeah that, that makes a lot of sense um, one of the things that we talk about on the podcast quite a bit is how to vote with your dollars how mm -hmm. to support the companies that are supporting the right missions instead of just being a factory and uh, churning out product and and supporting consumerism um, for for that uh, how do you know if you're interacting with a company how do you know that you're interacting with the right type of company uh, and just to give you a little bit of context I will literally go out of my way to try to find the the mo not only just buy an organic product, but find <laughs> the most sustainable or the very most healthy, the, the very healthiest product or the, the company that's really trying to do the right thing. And I don't mind spending the extra money on a, uh, uh, no, this is a banana paper book from Costa Rica, a banana paper notebook, right? Or I bought a bamboo toothbrush because I was tired of putting plastics in my mouth. And those are two examples of companies that are on a mission. Now, I don't want to sound like a total do-gooder and somebody call me out because, yes, occasionally I do drink out of plastic water bottles and I will recycle this, I can promise everybody, but <laughs> it is this... Uh, ionized water that is supposed to make you feel better and if you look in the biochemistry people have proven that a lot of these mineralized waters are better for you so long way of asking how can people vote with their dollars but be part of the right companies that are trying to build community around their product yeah that's a really good question um i mean i think it's important to point out that you know, you're able to do that. Sure. And you have privileges that a lot of people don't. Um, and Absolutely. so. Absolutely. And, and sorry, just to, not to cut you off, but it is also about where you prioritize. You know, I drive a $7,000 car, which is also a shitload of money, uh, <laughs> but it's not a $70,000 car. Sure. And it, it's all, it's all, um, you know, it's all, uh, uh, why am I blanking on the word? Perspective. Comparative? Yeah, Rel yeah relative. 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 Jesus. It's uh, late in the day. My brain turned off. We it's are going to wrap up soon. Don't so, worry. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to point out that like people don't always have the options to spend more. Um, there's some interesting – I just saw a company that uh, is called Public Goods, I think, and their whole premise is to like not overcharge for – good sustainable products and so they don't spend more on brand their whole brand is just like black and white like very very simple mm. that's kind of the thing um so it's interesting because like while well, a lot of companies are like for good but then the price goes up incredibly and then it becomes really hard to sustain it um for me i i look a lot at the way a company treats their people i think if you look at a way a company treats their employees that will tell you a whole lot of what you need to know. Um, I don't know many companies or any companies that treat their people really well and focus on community and, and health for their employees 
that have unethical products or unethical business practices outside their company because what they do inside translates to what they do outside and the way you treat your employees translates to how your employees treat your customers and how they care about the products they create and how you treat your customers will translate into how your customers care about that how they'll give you feedback how they'll want to contribute and be a part of your organization um and so you know when i look at companies and i make decisions about who to purchase from or who to work with i look at their culture i look at them internally and that that tells me almost everything I need to know. That's great. That's great. Um, one final question for you. I know that uh, you had shared and commented on an article that I did about meditation. Hmm. And so I was curious as to your interest in meditation. And uh, yeah, maybe if, if you do practice, what type of practice that you do and what other people can learn from your experiences. Yeah. Um, I've been meditating for about, I think like four years now. Um, I go through phases. I like ebb and flow where like I maintain the habit really well for a while. And then other times, um, you know, I, I lose it. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where it's like important to keep doing even when you feel like you don't need it because when you do need it, you're going to wish you spent the last month doing it because it really is, I found that meditation for me is less about the actual meditation itself and it's more about maintaining that sensation and that calm in my brain over longer periods of time. So when I hit points of stress or strain in the day or in my life, that I can quickly kind of realign myself with that if I've been maintaining my practice. So it's more about the consistency and and having that as a tool that that I carry with me all the time rather than like needing to feel this extreme change during the meditation. That's um, great. Yeah, you want to establish a baseline. Yeah, it feels almost like when I'm doing it regularly, I have more my ebbs are a little bit weaker and my flows are a little bit weaker. It's just a little bit more um stable and centered. Um and when I feel like in the moment, like, oh, I just had a stressful call or I'm overwhelmed by something, I can pause and kind of come back to that place a lot quicker when I've been maintaining um, that habit. And so, yeah, I, I try to meditate every morning and every night before I go to bed. Um, I've used the, the Calm app quite a bit. Um, either they're guided ones or for a long time I just used a timer and I just use that as a way of tracking my streak. Um and uh, I, I like sound. Sound. Uh, I'm sensitive to sound, and, and so I have a singing bowl next to my bed. Nice. And so I'll ding that and, and use that as a centering kind of mechanism for myself. Um, I find it through yoga and running and sports and things like that as well. I find meditative. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely something I'm still experimenting with and constantly kind of trying to figure out different ways that um, I can improve my practice for what I need. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, before I let you go, do you have any overarching advice for people who just want to be better humans in general? It doesn't have to be about building community, but they just want to wake up in the morning. They want to feel better. They want to do better work. They want to be better in all aspects of life. You got anything 
front for them, Mr. Uh, sage Space. <laughs> well, I'm certainly not a sage, um, but I will steal from a sage, um, my friend Ted Reingold, uh, who recently passed away in his battle with cancer. Um, he was an incredible person, uh, and he left an away message, which if you email his email address, you'll still get the same away message. Um, I'm not going to share the email address because I'm not sure that <laughs> they would want that. But um, uh, he, he basically left a series of values and lessons, which you can actually, I, I shared them um, in a, a Facebook post. So if you find me on Facebook, you'll see it there. Um, and two of his messages that really stuck with me is to, um, quite, it's, it's really simple, but it's a reminder I wake up to every day, um, which is uh, uh, be good to each other and just enjoy every day. Awesome. Awesome. David Spinks, where can people connect with you and CMX? Um, so yeah, I'm uh, at David Spinks on Twitter. Um, you can find CMX at cmxhub.com. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of all over the internet. So just look me up and I'll be, I'll be there. Excellent. David Spinks, it has been a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you having me. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that past episode. If you are looking to put these things into practice, I invite you to come next July to Peru and Machu Picchu with me and my girlfriend, Luz Garcia, a 1,500-hour registered yoga teacher for an amazing retreat that we are putting on. Uh, if you would like more information, check out under30experiences.com and find Yoga and Peru. Uh, we would love to connect with you further. We have some amazing community events coming up on under30experiences.com. And no, uh, you don't just have to be under 30 years of age. We are an inclusive community rather than an exclusive co community. And finally, if you are on the same mission as I am, I would love if you shared this episode with a friend, a friend who needs it, you can support uh, this podcast that would mean a whole lot to me share it subscribe leave me a five-star review on itunes i would love if you even did it just a little justice and give it a like on our new youtube channel those type of things go a long way uh, in helping other people find great content that is going to help them live happier, healthier lives. So thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to connect with me, feel free to email me. Give me some feedback, matt at under30experiences.com or hit me up on social media, Matt Wilson TV on just about any social platform. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.